Hello and welcome to the Chairman's Lounge. And uh, welcome to this place because it is here where all the big decisions are really made, as we say, to hell with elections, mm. to hell with referenda, to hell with the Royal Commissions and other court decisions. This is the place, Daniel James. It is, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a place where the decisions are made, but it's also good to bring a podcast to people because there aren't enough podcasts of two blokes talking. Is no. <laughs> so it's, it's good to be here. Where are we coming from I've today, got, Chairman well, Dustin? Well, I can't tell you, uh, and, and I'll explain. As, as you have said before, if there's a postcode in Australia, then uh, there is a chairman's lounge. We've been to Fishwick, we've... Been to Timbertop. Timbertop. Uh, you know, we've been to places like that. Uh, uh, but, but I've got, I've got to take Cronulla. We've been yes, to Cronulla. Yes, yes, yes. Unfortunately, I can't tell you because to be in this, this is the chairman's lounge. This is the exclusive chairman's lounge where only a few people, not even everybody who's a member of the chairman's lounge, is allowed to be here. And for you and I to get here, we were blindfolded last night and uh, put on the back of a truck and yes. driven through the evening and into the morning to be put in this place. So, unfortunately, I don't know exactly where we Just are. Just to paint the picture for, for listeners, we're actually in a literal cone of silence right now. Mm. We can't hear anyone else. I can see I can see some people over there. Yeah. But they can't hear us and we can't hear them. We can see some familiar faces. Yeah. Faces that we've seen over the decades. Yes. There's a fair bit of ch- chow min uh, stains going about um, everywhere because this is where the decision's made and this is where the chow min is. So welcome to the Chairman's Lounge at the end of the universe. Justin, uh, you're sounding a little bit croaky uh, this morning. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, uh, today. Somebody put something with legs in my wine, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> the, uh, look, and the reason we're, we're here at this, uh, this the resplendent uh, uh, lounge in particular is because the news that the chairman, Qantas chairman uh, Richard Goiter, is going to be, moments pause please, standing down. He has fallen on his sword. The brand of Qantas has been trashed under his stewardship. The airline is it's very no longer harsh. It's very harsh. Is no longer the airline of choice for, for most Australians. And so, in disgrace, he has given himself given himself another twelve months as uh, chairman of uh, Qantas before he uh, earns yeah. X amount of thousands of dollars during that time, and then slowly and quietly slips out the door. I think to continue his chairmanship of the AFL. One of the beautiful things, though, I've got to say about the chairman's lounge. This is why I love to come here. Mm. It is not just the food, it's not just the drink, it's not the service, it's not the massages, it's not no, the we won't talk about that. It's not the toiletries uh, that have your name embossed on the side. It's not that for me that there's no rush. Well, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's no luck. There's, there's no rush. No, never hurry. There's, and no, there's nothing's a com- ever hurry. Complete and utter lack of accountability, mm. and I find that very refreshing. <laughs> When you walk, when you walk through the doors of this place, you know that you can do anything, and you'll never have to answer to it. Not really. You yeah. know, if you decide that you want to sack some workers illegally, and then when they try to kick up a fuss and you take them to the high court and lose, there'll never be a repercussion for that. Not really. By the way, how's your uh, white rhinoceros uh, flank going? It looks <laughs> looks medium rare as you like. There's no other place on the earth that I could get it. And I'm yeah. glad I, I drove. I'm glad we drove through the night blindfolded. 
just to get to this goddamn place to be here. I was very pleasantly surprised when they had some uh, panda paw on offer. Mm. I don't even smoke, but no. I'm going to use it as an ashtray. <laughs> so to me, the beauty is that uh, you can do all of those things, and then yet when the pressure is so great, so great that you have to stand down from your position, it's over a year before you actually get to walk out of the door. Take well, your time. Can, can Take you your t- time. No security guards marching him out the door. I tell you, where else, where else in the world could that happen? Well, certainly not the brutal uh, landscape that is the media landscape. Mm. Uh, people are, um, you know, you turn up for work one day and next day yeah. you're not there. Yeah. I can't think of anywhere else in society where that sort of thing happens. And if we're, we're talking about The Voice later on, mm. and, and there's been a lot of talk of um, elites around The Voice. Yes. I would suggest to you that this is actually quite elite. This is an elite exit. <laughs> God, I, I just want to sit here and I feel... Elite. Elite. I feel sorry for anyone who isn't inside these doors. You know, I feel sorry for the people out there that have to scramble through their life. World-class exit. Yeah. 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 Here's to you, Chairman. Thanks. Thanks for the hospitality. I've got to say, it's hard to find uh, any lightness or any irony in what is happening in Israel and uh, Gaza. Uh, as, as somebody in the news pointed out to me, you wouldn't have thought there would have been anything that would knock the voice off mm. this week um, as far as news stories go. Uh, it doesn't get any bloody sadder than what we've witnessed over the last few days. It's an absolute human tragedy that is unfolding before our very eyes. Um, there are people on social media that are, you know, uh, advocates for, for Gaza. There are others that are advocates for, uh, for Israel. Um, what I've found most distasteful is that people are trying to excuse the murderous intent of both sides. Mm. Uh, we know that uh, uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu is someone who, in my opinion, is a warmonger and someone that is openly talking about wiping Gaza off the map. And then, of course, we have um, Hamas, who are bloodthirsty terrorists. Um, the reports that are coming through mm-hmm. uh, on the nightly news of some of the, the acts that have been committed by Hamas against innocent civilians yeah. is just blood-curdling. Probably one of the worst things we've heard for a very long time, and I think it's easy... Uh, not easy, I think it's important to uh, uh, put a difference between the innocent people in Palestine, who are trying to, and which there are innocent people in Israel and innocent people in Palestine that are just trying to live their lives. Uh, And Palestine is not Hamas. No, Palestine is not Hamas. As we sit here, hundreds of people are about to die through this war that has been declared between Hamas and Israel. And, you know, we thought to a certain extent that we're, we're beyond this, but... What it really shows is just how poor Israeli intelligence services were under Netanyahu. It's a giant failure. This was an amazingly um, cold-blooded, coordinated attack on innocent civilians, and it got through the Israeli intelligence services without sort of raising an eyelid, it would seem. And my fear is that that incompetence will be used by Netanyahu to really go after... Um, Gaza and, and 
do what he's always wanted to do, from my opinion, is, is just wipe it off the map because uh, some of the scenes that are coming out on the nightly news, where the coverage in Australia is actually quite, you know, uh, it's not level. We, we're getting a lot from the Israeli side. I think a lot of that's got to do with logistics, um, actually getting news services and reporters into the Gaza Strip is something that's incredibly deep, difficult and incredibly dangerous. Yeah, but I mean, the uh, look, I, I understand what you're saying about the the uh, uh, the media and and the coverage of this, but you still have people who are purportedly want to be uh, pro-Palestinian that are marching in the streets, setting off yes. flares, screaming out "fuck the Jews" and and gas the gas Jews. The Jews yep. Now they're not they're not doing this because they want to stick up for the innocent people that are in in the West Bank or in, in Gaza. They're doing it because there has just been a terrorist attack by a terrorist organisation and they want to go to places like the Sydney Opera House and celebrate it. That is... <laughs> that, that, to me, is inexcusable. If you, if, you, if you want to talk about the innocent people in Palestine and you want to help them, you've, you've just headed in, the, in exactly the wrong direction. Anyone or any group of people that are celebrating the massacre of innocent civilians... During this conflict, right, beheading of children, beheading of children, um, you know the the, the wanton massacre of uh, festival goers, the phosphorus bombs that are being used by the Israeli armed forces in in Palestine as we speak, anyone that celebrates that sort of atrocity, that sort of bloodlust, that sort of warmongering, really need to be really need to take a look at themselves and, well, and should perhaps be put on a list. Yeah, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things uh, for me that I've always felt in that region is that there won't be peace. And you, you would, I mean, as a person, you would like to see peace at the end of it. anything. I would like to see, well, see peace. We nearly had it. But there, there, it. there are people in the Middle East. That's not their objective. Their objective is not to actually get to peace. You've got two things here. You've got people who believe they have a God-given right to be there mixed with people who believe that they have a God-given permission to wipe out the other side. How the bloody hell do you you find peace in the middle of that? Yeah, you you throw on top of that too the, the, the history of colonialism that was imposed on that part of the world after the First World War. Uh, it leads to our, our second discussion. Are there any negative impacts from uh, colonialism affecting the people of the Middle East at the moment? Of course there are, because the way I see it at the moment, there just doesn't seem to be any way that those two sides will ever meet, ever discuss peace, and for some, ever want peace. Yeah, for me, the, de- the destruction of a mass, though, has got to be at, at, uh, at high on that. Instead of, you know, I'm not putting this with the Palestinian people they they are not two completely different things but hamas they, they've not had a, an election in gaza since mm. 2007 mm. so that hey yeah that's how you that's how you win baby yeah. once you win at an election you say oh guess what we're not going to have elections anymore so that's that's who we're talking about here we can only sit back and and watch and see what happens so it's, it's uh, a terribly distressing situation and one never feels more powerful or powerless than in situations like this.
At the time of recording this, uh, we don't know what is going to happen with the voice. I would say. No, no, no. We're not recording, Justin. We're oh, live. live. <laughs> at the time of being live here at the Chairman's Lounge, at the most exclusive uh, Chairman's Lounge. Sorry, I forgot the show for a moment. Uh, the most exclusive Chairman's Lounge at the edge of the universe. Uh, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the voice, but I, I voted yesterday. Uh, I, I feel like I voted for the losing team. Right. But that's all right. Being on the losing team sometimes means that you are on the right team. But I it, it allows us to be morally indignant for the rest of our lives. So <laughs> I, I personally enjoy that. <laughs> but, uh, you've, uh, you've done a, a cracking job at uh, observing, commentating on uh, and, and watching the voice as it has unfolded. Uh, as we sit here a couple of days out, how are you feeling about it? I think... And it's hard, it's hard to contextualise this given what's happening in Israel and in Gaza because mm. what's happening there is, um, you know, just horrific beyond yeah, measure. This is still important. This, this but this is, incredibly is, important. It is, is important. And the, the nature and the tenor of the debate over the voice has been very, very revealing. And it's revealed, in, in my opinion, a racist underbelly that has mm. now being given the green light by the Conservative No campaign mm -hmm. to continue on being racist and doing it openly. And we're in a situation now where if you call that racism out, you're the one that gets the pile on from the Conservative No side and from elements of the media. So we're now living in a country where to call out racism is a risky thing to do. And this has all been brought on by this debate. It's important to uh, point out that you're a Yorta Yorta man and this is, a, this is personal business for you. How has it affected you? Personally, how do you feel about it? To be perfectly honest with you, I think it's actually affected my health a little bit. Um, uh, I, I come down with uh, a pretty serious lurgy last week that saw me um, bed riddle, and I think that might have been a bit of burnout, perhaps. It's something that um, I know it's affecting a lot of other people as well. I think the idea of being spoken about and not spoken to so much is something that is very frustrating and, and disabling for the people who want to engage. It's so interesting. I hadn't looked at it like that before. Do you, you sometimes feel that you're a problem that needs to get fixed as opposed to another human being and an Australian citizen? First Nations people that are born into this country um, are political from birth because we are spoken about as though we are a, a problem that needs to be solved. And that has been absolutely heightened throughout the course of this debate. Um, Peter Dutton, David Littleproud, they had an opportunity to give some bipartisan support to the referendum. Chose not to, in my view. Uh, Peter Dutton did that for purely personal political um, uh, uh, gain and bounty. Not for the first time that he's used colour in that way. No, he's, 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 he's always done it. He's got form. He's used it to try and build support amongst the conservative side of politics, particularly in Queensland. But the polls are showing that for him personally, his popularity is continuing to decline. Now, it looks like the voice itself is not going to get up. But um, if Peter Dutton thinks that he was going to sail his way through to some sort of renewed support or renewed momentum behind his leadership, the polls are showing that he's a dud. Mate, is there, though, something in this that... Uh the Yes campaign has got to take some of the heat from that as well. Not just the No campaign, razzing it up, but the, for me, the Yes campaign... Uh, look, I'll tell you, so I voted Yes yesterday. 
the reason I voted yes is I, I was almost going to abstain because I felt that having the referendum itself was going to be destructive unless we did it properly, and that was where I was sitting. But I thought the more destructive thing for me to do would is for no to win. Yep. That's going to be destructive. I hope that makes sense. But when I, when I look at this, I'm pissed off beyond belief at the Yes campaign. They sold it badly. Albanese sold it badly from the start. It's as though he didn't trust people with not just information, but he didn't trust people in showing his own hand in how he felt about it and bringing people along. The whole thing lacked leadership. The biggest, the biggest blue that the Yes campaign committed in relation to this referendum was giving the No campaign a 12-month head start. They, they allowed the No campaign to develop the narrative, control the narrative, and spruik the narrative. And some of the leadership within the Yes campaign said, no, it's okay, we haven't even got a date yet for the referendum. Um, and there was those of us um, within the community screaming, don't worry about the date, you mm. need to start getting in the gutter and start t- attacking some of these yeah. assertions now because um, uh, you're losing momentum. And you see, once Albanese announced the, the referendum, the polls started to slide because Peter Dutton and the Conservative forces got their act together. Yes. Yeah. Well yeah. before yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And all they had to do was sling the mud, whereas the, the Yes campaign had to sell on a change. But instead of selling on that change, they decided to have a Disney parade Yeah. Uh, with yeah. colours and exclamation marks and slogans that were uh, far more bullshit than anything else. And I... I Constitutional reform is a difficult thing. It's um, no matter how binary the question is, it's a complicated thing as well. You need to level with people. You need to treat people like adults. And I, I agree with you to a certain extent. We've we've seen um, sort of like a, a lot of yes campaigners going around like they're on the corner of Hate and Ashbury, you know, thinking that um, love and peace will will see through the day. No. Consistent, well-informed, well-communicated argument, passionate argument, and a couple of shit kickers to be thrown in there to get in the gutter and and actually absolutely dispel the information. Still politics, yeah. Yeah. Dispel the the information, the lies, the racism, the bigotry. Get in there and attack it on 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 a a daily basis, and letting instead of letting it flourish, because every time the No campaign threw a grenade um, at um, at the debate. That debate would seed for that that issue would seed for forty eight seventy two hours, and as we know, that's long enough for it to take proper seed within the electorate and take hold. Um, uh, not enough detail. Um, we're going to have a second referendum. Um, we're going to uh, um, have a treaty on the fifteenth of October, the day afterwards. You know, we're going to start talking about that. All that stuff is bullshit, and yes, campaigns. Second greatest flaw wasn't taking that stuff on in a, in a, in a more ferocious way. Now, we're going to look pretty stupid if they win <laughs> on Saturday, but I think the criticisms are fair and there needs to be a reckoning around this and there needs to be a reckoning amongst some of the senior Indigenous leadership about the way they've conducted this debate. I won't name names, but um, uh, they're going to have to be held for, to account as well because they are the ones that have dragged the entire Indigenous community through what has been a very traumatic episode. It's almost our flight, uh, but I, I do want to, uh, although I have absolutely no idea where we're going to because I have no idea where we are right now. It's a minor point. You've almost sort of answered this question, but I want to ask it to you. The, in, a, in a year's time, 
how's this going to look? You know, and I mean, how are people like you, how are you going to be feeling in a year's time? This thing loses. Uh, we're scratching around. We have people like Pauline Hanson saying, hey, this was the final word on reconciliation in Australia. The Aboriginal community just need to shut the hell up and get on with things and grow up. What, what's gonna, how my, are you going to be feeling in 12 months? My, my greatest concern is not the result on, on Saturday. Uh, I, of course, will be voting yes. I hope it gets up. My greatest fear is that it has unleashed a new uh, toxic level of debate in this country whenever we're trying to talk about issues that require nuance, that require uh, a complicated understanding of complicated issues, that we will un be unable to hold or have those type of discussions in the future because Trumpism, to a certain extent, works in this country. Well, that's, the, uh, that's our call, that's the flight. If only we could be flying into a much better and surer future. That's it from the Chairman's Lounge. Richard Goyde, God, you're a great guy. You've just, how anyone can get away with the balls on the bloke. I mean, you, you can't admire that. Anyway, gotta go. Uh, we have been produced by, I just love him. I just, there's just so much about him that I can't. We have been produced by the Content Engine, the podcast and video content specialists and also life members of every chairman's lounge in the known universe. Uh, please uh, reach out to us if you can. Uh, even if you can't, make sure you do. Live from the chairman's lounge at gmail.com.